What is going on, everyone? This is Mike Singer from Blue and Gold with this week's Mike Goolsby Show. Let's bring him in. Mr. Goolsby, how are you doing this week, man? I'm good. I'm doing really good, Michael. Good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. we got a, a great show lined up this week. I'm playing host. We have Mr. Goolsby, and we also have Mr. Tim Hyde. Um, Tim, can you show the boat behind you for, for folks watching on YouTube? Because people yes. always joke about how you're yeah. in a boat. Yeah, the light's in the way, but uh, since, yeah, I busted out the boat since everyone thinks I'm on a boat and Goolsby's in his little house, so um, <laughs> that should be the name of the podcast, like, once a month. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, cool. Well, yeah, we're going to talk all things Notre Dame, 41, Syracuse, 24, appreciate. Um, all you folks watching live with us, watching back, listening via podcast, um, you know, however you're listening or however you're watching, I'll always appreciate that. Um, obviously a lot to discuss with this game and then looking ahead to, um, the Clemson matchup. Um, so yeah, it's a perfect time to have Tim and Goolsby on the show. So yeah, hit the thumbs up, subscribe to our channel. Of course, if you are, if you have not done so yet, if you have anything you want these two guys to answer, please do drop a super chat right away. And if you want even more Notre Dame football coverage, head over to blueandgold.com. It's just 10 bucks. Um, for a new subscription through the start of next football season. So it is Mike Goolsby's show, so we will go to him first. Mike, what are what are your thoughts about this uh, this win for the Irish? It's nice to uh, – I, I think we tend to talk so much or lead in with offense. Um, quarterback play it probably has largely to do with that. But uh, it's nice to get back to Tim having a, an identity, you know. It's like um, – Yes. This is who we wanted to be, but then we kind of changed our mind. We sort of F around, you know, we, we, we mix in some things, but yeah, it's nice to uh, just get back to our bread and butter, the meat and potatoes and uh, pounding the ball. Um, anytime you've got a problem in life, gentlemen, I've been told I had a boss that told me this once rich Oberbeck, good man. He's like, anytime there's a problem, it's either A, a misunderstanding, B, there's a direct issue, or C, you can find a workaround. And it's like, who finds a problem? Or hopefully we don't spend a ton of time talking about this. I think Tim and I uh, think alike here. But Drew Pine's a problem in terms of offensive execution, the limitations that he brings. So the workaround is just hammer the ball. Um and I think that's, you know, again, going back to week one against Ohio State, first half against Ohio State, that was the identity that we wanted to brand ourselves with. And we've it's, – it's come and gone. You know, it, that, it hasn't been a consistent identity on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I still believe that Audrey Gastame is a star in the making. It's nice to see him not be relegated to the doghouse and uh, just play a little bit of bully ball. So – um, not the most exciting games to watch, but um, you know it's it's reliable, and you can you can sleep at night knowing that we can at least do this. And the 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 preseason forecast, Tim was one of the strongest units, if not the strongest unit on the team, was going to be our offensive line. You got two potential first rounders on the edges. You've got a a veteran in the middle there, and um, we leaned on them. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. So that's my takeaway. Tim, do you remember how to speak, sir? 
No, I was just uh, I'm on the Mike Goolsby show. I was letting him no, uh, dude, flow Tim, there. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Tim, Tim, Tim knows how I do it. I stop talking, then I forget something else. So yeah, man. But that, <laughs> that's my that's my thoughts. Hey. It's a nice and it's a, here I go again. See, Tim's right. But uh, it's a nice road win. I think Tim, when we beat BYU, were they not ranked 16th in the country? 16th. I think Clemson's 16 this coming week, so that'll be a good uh, indicator for Notre Dame. Yeah, no, so no, no. it's uh, it's uh, no, I wish they were, but exactly. it's another you know, Vegas was kind of a road win, sort of a neutral site, but we, yeah, we weren't in Notre Dame Stadium, so we knocked off two ranked opponents this year. We'll see what Syracuse looks like on the back half of their season if they were deserving of a top 20 ranking, but um, it's nice to get a win. It's hard not, Tim, it's hard to not just immediately jump into talking Clemson. Right. Yeah. Um, but that was, that yeah. was just my takeaway. It's just, it's nice to get back to the, an identity and coach Reese kind of getting out of his own way um, and doing calling plays and just doing what we do well. No, I'm on my way over here. First thing I thought about was um, the post, the Lindsay against Stanford, you know, catch that and multiple others, the, what the, multiple touchdowns taken off, you know, missed or taken off the board in Stanford on one drive alone after the, the blocked punt where they had to settle for a field goal. That's, I mean, I wrote down November to remember how many times have you heard that in college football, November to remember, this is where you're at. And Notre Dame is one or two plays away from being seven and one, which is just maddening to, to constantly keep thinking about that. But they're five and three. They've beaten two really good football teams. Yeah, I know BYU has turned into a mess, but at the time, ranked 16th, playing good competitive football. And obviously, Syracuse, Syracuse is a good football team. They got some dudes all over the place. They have that one tight end, hybrid wide receiver, tight end guy that Notre Dame couldn't match up with anywhere half the time. So he was a dude. And um, November to remember, that's what I kept thinking about driving here. Just the missed opportunities that Notre Dame and how close this team is, but at the same time, I'm a big, big Parcells fan and you are who you are. This team is five and three. They're five and three because they had, they've had eight, uh, four games with 50% or less passing four games, or excuse me, five. I, I don't know. They were barely above 50 against Ohio state. Then you were Marshall. And obviously the, you know, the, the last three games of drew pine, drew pine goes, First three starts over 70%. He's up there looking like Jimmy Clausen in 09, slinging the ball over the place I, I mentioned a month ago. Now he's got three straight games under 50. I know he was 52 against uh, UNLV, but those are the two little shovel passes that aren't even a pass, which they count. So technically he's three straight games under 50%. Going into Clemson, Hey, I'm a big believer. You could run the ball all you want, but there's a time in each and every single football game, no matter what level you're at, you have to throw the ball somewhere to win a game and to make a big play. And what's Notre Dame going to do in the next six days? That's if I may. a big, big question next Saturday night. If I may, before Goolsby speaks, I would like to address Drew Pine because I got a lot of YouTube comments and um, tweets in these past few days about Mr. Well, you Pine. did it to yourself, Mike. You did it to yourself. Listen, listen. A few weeks ago, I saw CJ Carr play. Notre Dame's quarterback commit 24 cycle. He stunk. He stunk that day. But my opinion didn't change of him because I knew I know who he is. Just, just quit, quit shaking your beautiful head, okay? Shake hey, read head. this. What's the name of the show, Mike? Uh, 
Hold on. It's there gone. Go. I removed it. Go. It doesn't say anything. So, Mike, again, CJ Carr stunk, right? And and without even you telling me, I know that you mean statistically he stunk. Yes? Yes. Okay. But he still looked the part. Yes? May I finish? Yes, you may. <laughs> I'm going to make a graphic, says the Mike Singer Show, real quick. Listen. Mr. Pine, Mr. Pine. It, it, it was it was bad. And that's all I really have to say. He's he's not a good quarterback. I, I'm I'm coming back on that. I'm I'm off the I'm off that bandwagon. It, what's most frustrating to me is you you've seen the flashes of good, um, but he's just been so darn inconsistent and his decision making has been extremely questionable if you're going to be this limited athlete and limited thrower of the football you have to be excellent at everything else and he's just not right now no the, yeah just real tail, quick tail, I'll, tail in between my legs no i'll go uh i mean the first thing i keep thinking about in that game was you know this one of the scan offensive plays they only ran 10 by the way so before people lose their mind on the scan oh they only ran 10 all one passes, the, by the way, Tim. I think they were all passes, by the way. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I, I tried to the do like, lion's I share. Two, yeah, two runs, which the runs kicked off seven, ten, ten yards on a couple. But um, yeah, most of them are passes because they were just hammering the ball, and then it was third down. They see it. They see something they want to do, and and the and the checks. By the way, Tommy Reese did scan in. We're like, dudes were open. How do you not hit them? The one is is Lorenzo Styles. How do you bounce a screen pass to him? The dude's wide open. Alt, Patterson, Zeke, those dudes are all getting out there on a wave, and they bounce past the ball to Lorenzo Styles, and he catches just, I mean, my God, it's a 10-yard pass for crying out loud. So, which is the most maddening thing, thinking about Pine, because he threw a rope to Mayer right before halftime, 41 yards. I went back, charted where he threw it and where Mayer caught it, 41 yards. So it's it's like he can't do it. Or is it after he throws that far, he's just so exhausted he, he can't throw that far for the next hour? Well, I think, Tim, I want to get into this a little bit because, you know, you're a coach, right? So, yeah. but going back to that that toss to Mayor, beautiful play, slides in the pocket. Yep. But if it's to Mayor, he has that level of comfort. Yes. Um, and it just, it, it's easier for him, but to pull the trigger and distribute the ball elsewhere, it's, it just yeah. doesn't come naturally to him. But like, Tim, what's your, if you put your coach hat on, what is it with Pine? So forget all the physical limitations. Like what's going on in Drew Pine's head going into this Clemson game, you know, kind of rewinding the past three games. Where's he at mentally, do you figure, as a, from your coaching experience? I was actually rewatching the game this morning, taking some notes. And one of the things I wrote down was just his, his face, right? His mannerism. He looks like he has no clue or he's frightened. You know, it's uh, no confidence. You know, it, it, it always seems like when he goes to the sideline, you don't see him talk to a lot of people for, for whatever reason. You know, it's, they showed that quite a bit in the, in the Syracuse game, him just walking around, just shaking his head, frustrated, uh, didn't know what to do. There's one really bad play. It may have been that right after the Styles, you know, skip pass on the screen. And poor Lorenzo, it's like, dude, just get me the darn football. But um, and Freeman like put his hand, you know, arm around him. But Freeman was just like, felt like he wanted to just squeeze his helmet off. 
And I'm like, dude, are you serious? And uh, Freeman was, you know, trying to bite his tongue, like, all right, hang in there, hang in there. And um, I don't know. It, it is interesting. I've noticed that where his mannerisms, his body language, the confidence, the, you know, me personally, I, I think ever since Tyler Horka put the, you know, he tweeted out before the, the Stanford game. You know, sorry, Tyler, if you're watching, but he was like, oh, Pine's got the mojo tonight. He's doing the Conor McGregor, McGregor uh, strut. That, that was before Stanford. So ever since then, uh, Horka needs to go back in his Twitter timeline, delete that thing because it's floating out there. Because ever since then, he has not had no strut. There's dudes open. It has just been absolutely frustrating to watch because you see like a couple of those passes to, to Colsey were like right on the money, you know, you know. But then it's Mayor has to catch a pass. Luckily, he's sitting down on the one which he's sitting down and he catches it. The ball was so low. Luckily, Mayor got rerouted, fell down, and caught it. But um, no, so I don't the, know. Yeah, the passes, the passes, the two Coles, two of Colsey's catches. Frankly, I don't remember the third, but they're both comebacks, right? It's like a ten-yard comeback. Yes, Mike well, Singer, one was a deep crosser, special. Deep okay. crosser, and then they hit him on the comeback, which was a great play. Because they doubled Mayor, who was running a seam route, and they doubled him. Boom. Colsey's all by himself. It was awesome. So I think, you know, I said it on last week's show that, like, we, the Notre Dame fan base, analysts, like, I guess ourselves, um, we were maybe sold a bill of goods in terms of what Drew Pine is as a player. Because all you heard about was his confidence and his bravado and his swagger and all that. And it's sort of gone. So was that like, and I said this about the Ohio State game. You know, we came in confident and physical and loud and brash. And then we went into halftime. And to me, we came out a different team. So it's like, and I was said, I was like, we seem like a bunch of fake tough guys. So if, if your quarterback, the man at the helm is, you know, full of false confidence, that ain't a good look. Um, no. Because that's like we've never heard anything about his arm strength, his release, his touch on the ball, his athleticism. All of the things that were, were touted about Drew were, again, his intangibles. There was nothing really tangible. But it, when <laughs> – so, like, you see the result of not having physical ability. I mean, he's he's like – I mean, he's like uh, – it's like, like, I mean, if, if you told me that Drew Pine was a walk-on, I'd be like, okay, I would have some, some, some empathy there. But I mean, this is a scholarship kid, kid that was recruited, and yeah, it's just not there. But, um, yeah, it's funny, funny. you were talking about going, going back and be like, oh, we could be seven and one, and I can't help oh. it. Forgive me, but I cannot. I can't be like, man, what if, what if Buckner had this time? What if Buckner had this running game? How many, how many first downs would have Tyler picked up in this game, given all the time that Drew has back there? Okay, maybe nothing's open. We, we're working off the television copy. You know, Tyler had to take it off. I agree. And picked I, it up no, on foot. I agree, because that's been the thing where people are like, well, you know, they, you know, you know, the book on uh, Drew Pine's written, so to speak. You know, everyone knows what to do against him. Drop eight. Q's dropped eight a bunch of times. And um, Stanford did as well a bunch of times. But you're right. Just take off and run. No one's accounting for his scrambling, which is the big difference between him and Ian Book. Ian Book would take off and go get yards if it's third and seven L. I'll go get 10 yards scrambling. If you're not going to spy me, you have you would have to obviously spy uh, Tyler Buckner. So they're just dropping eight. He's no threat running the ball. And um, it's 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 noticeable. And it, it is hindering the team. Luckily, 
they were they just hammered the living high hell out of Syracuse up front and just bludgeoned those guys. I mean, they're going three tight ends. They're bringing Thomas Salerno in like his double wings and just playing 10 on the line of scrimmage or nine on the line of scrimmage and just smashing it. And kudos to those running backs who just had some huge holes. I know people always talk about, you know, it's all inside a gap runs. Those guys were cutting it to the C gaps a lot off of cuts, which a lot of inside zone is supposed to do. And um, the tackles, I have to give kudos to both those guys. When they would run to the right and cut left, Jill Alts is smashing dudes. And go back and rewatch it, uh, people, you know, out here listening to us tonight is uh, Blake Fisher probably has six, seven pancakes on cutback runs where he's just smashing the living hell out of dudes. They're running left, cut right. He, I thought he had, you know, one of his best football games, at least down block. So, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm so excited to see Blake as a junior. And just, I can't wait for him oh. to clean up his clean up his body just a little yes. bit. Work on conditioning, foot speed, just a little bit more. Because, gosh, you can see it. Yes. Um, but yeah, he just needs another year, I think, to really kind of clean himself up. But I agree. And I thought, kind of getting away from Drew for a, for a moment, anyway, Tim. Uh, the things that we try to do creatively in the run game, I did think that. Yeah, I think in Tyree's first series. They try to run stretch with him, and I think because of the dome, and I think Zeke Carell couldn't got off, couldn't get off the ball, or maybe the guy over him. Their defensive end number seventeen made a made a play from the backside, but we weren't quite synced up with the snap, and I think the noise had something to do with that. And I think we ran a little screen to him. Oh, excuse me, ran a little swing pass with him. Yes, swing. The next the next play, it was a dead play on the stretch. Love to see him under center on that stretch play, kind of that USC thing that we talked about, yep. Tim, yep. Uh, versus being in that uh, pistol formation. But it was interesting to see that, like, I've been saying it all year, the usage of the backs and the packages and the, the, the different spots where we would plug them in, whether it was leaving, um, yeah, it, 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 depending on, but I mean, the, the different backs that we would have in pass protection, short yards, we're putting Tyree in there, which is like, it never quite synced up to me. And I think that this many games into the season, Coach Reese seems to have a better, better handle on we're running this play or this package, whether he's, you know, uh, rotating guys in with Coach McCullough. I feel like they've got that licked finally. I think they finally got that resolved in terms of we're running this type of play. We want this type of body type in there uh, in the backfield. Uh, Tim, we'll, we'll no, no, I was going to no, I was going to say real quick, you know, what's that? You got, you got 30 seconds, Tim. We oh, got to, we got to move somewhere I mean, else. Go ahead. I mean, the whole Chris Tyree thing is he's the third running back. He he's, he's fully established himself to be the third running back. He, he really, the other two are more violent. They're better cutters. They're better football players. Chris Tyree does not have a lot of wiggle, a lot of cut to him. He's the third running back. So whatever he gets from here on out is taken away from those two. I feel. All last right. thing, last thing, Mike, it is the Mike Oolsby show. All right, damn it. Zip right, it. As a coach, Tim, I do not understand how Tyree being 190 pounds or whatever he is. I mean, he looks like he's 180 pounds. Remember that, that pick I'd sent you of all the running backs in the group. Yes. And folks, wait till you see Jadarian Price next year. Holy smokes, as Tim would say. But why can't Tyree, as small and as light as he is, make one cut and put his foot in the ground and go? He always has to do the stutter step, the chop steps. I don't, I'll never understand it, why somebody can't work with him on 
you know, as, as light and low to the ground as he is, he should be able to make that cut in his sleep without all the choppy steps. It really frustrates me because I really like Tyree. And I remember I, one of our first shows, Singer, you and I did, it was like Tyree versus uh, what's-his-face from Clemson. Shipley. Shipley. And I was like, I prefer Tyree. And, I mean, I'm eating some crow there um, when you look at their careers up to this point. But that's maddening to me, that, that aspect of Tyree's game. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead, buddy. All right, we're just going to go ahead and hear from one of our sponsors, Rogue Shop. Um, it's a husband and wife outfit as Mr. Rogue and his wife, Char, are craft cannabis farmers who specialize in small batch sustainable plant medicine, a true holistic type of small business. Farm it and grow it all themselves, do everything by hand. And their website to visit, as you can see on the screen, it is www.rogueshop.com. There are products that give you euphoria but so much more than that products that have been known to help with anything from stress and anxiety to chronic pain and insomnia have a question about what their product does jump on a live chat with the owners of the website and they will steer you in the right direction char and mr rogue will take care of you and answer anything you have and their goal is holistic healing making your life better if you suffer from stress insomnia reducing inflammation anxiety and mood disorders they have topicals that are great for pain in specific areas as well and when you write as many articles as i do and as many youtube shows as i do you don't get great sleep unless you have some rogue shop products so fall asleep stay asleep head to rogueshop.com promo code blue and gold gets you 10 percent off again blue and gold um that promo gets you 10 percent off so please do head over to rogue shop and check it out how is it that bolden landing who never sponsored us gave us a few free samples whereas rogue shop is a sponsor we haven't gotten any free samples sounds like a great discussion to have off air mr goolsby all right <laughs> all right moving along tim goolsby where you guys want to go next Actually, we can go Super Chats. How about that? We've got a few Super Whatever Chats. So. All right. John Monty says, I wish we had a quarterback to get these receivers the ball downfield. Two years is a long way off or even one year. Uh, I guess he's kind of talking about incoming quarterbacks. Any, any thoughts here, Goolsby? Um, yeah, yeah. Again, it's just it really limits the offense. And this is the thing. It's hard to like – Tim, you can probably chime in here, but it's like week to week, you know, you sort of – you take in the game, you digest, you talk about it. Unintentionally or, or intentionally, I tend to look at things like big picture. You know, when I committed to go play at the New University of Notre Dame, I did so to win a national championship. Like in my heart and in my mind, that's what I thought I was doing. And it's like big picture, that's what we think about. I still think about is like big picture culture, all these little things recruiting wise, positions of need, areas of improvement. So it does feel good to get a win against a team like a Syracuse and to beat them up, Tim. But when you think big picture, it's like, man, we ain't, without a quarterback and without a little bit more elite traits, you know, more elite traits at the wide, wide receiver position, we still got a long way to go. So while you do get encouraged and you do get excited about a win against the Syracuse on the road, you kind of come back to earth and you're like, man, we got a long ways to go. In, in, a, in a Clemson is a even a little bit – I think we'll beat Clemson. I said I thought we'd lose to Syracuse and beat Clemson. I think we beat Clemson, but 
when we're talking about knocking off a Bama, Georgia, shoot even a Michigan nowadays, like you need a t- you need a quarterback. Oof. Oh yeah, that's why so much of the conversation the last month has always been about the past. Everyone wants to rip, you know, as you know, Reese recruiting Kelly, all these things, and I don't know. Something changed with me a couple of weeks ago where I just switched it, and it was just like. You got to focus on now. You got to focus moving forward. This is my belief is who cares what happened in 2019 recruiting or whatnot? You know, sure. Does it hurt now? Of course it does, but it's all about Freeman. It's all about what he's doing. These coaches, his culture, as you talk about there, Mike, and moving forward in recruiting and the skill class he has coming in, these running backs he has coming in are freaks. They just are all, there's not one running back on this, in the program right now that cuts like, Love Edwards. These dudes run, you know, estimate will run you over. Diggs has a little Tyree. I just don't think Tyree's a shake and bake type guy. Like some of these guys coming in, some of these receivers are just better pass catchers, better true receivers than what's on the, the staff now. So I'm looking at it like move forward. What the heck's going on? It really, really stinks. I can say this 6,000 times in a row that Freeman Reese, I'll throw in Mike's buddy, Chad Bowen, who's the recruiting coordinator. You know, he, he I'm just saying there, I'm just using him out there because he's a recruiting guy, Mike. But uh, he's part of it. All that dude does is recruit. And these guys could not get a quarterback this year, which is just maddening. Maddening how these guys could not find one. And um, especially when someone's on campus and all he does is recruit. So that's going to be the biggest question moving forward. Guys want to talk about moving forward, throwing balls, all that good stuff. They've got to get a transfer quarterback, whoever the heck that is. Um, Cause there's, you know, but there's some bad quarterbacks out there too. So I I've coached a long time and I've coached guys that have transferred just cause you get a transfer. Don't mean that dude's a dude. Brandon Joseph transferred. He's just finally made a play and it's game eight. So just cause you get a transfer, does that mean they are elite dudes? And I think sometimes we, we just assume a transfer is going to be a star. And um, you know, yeah, we'll see. Notre Dame needs a quarterback. Go ahead. I'm sorry, there's Mike. no guarantee that a, there's no guarantee that a transfer or even a highly touted kid coming out of high school isn't going to hit. Right. I mean, it happens every year in the NFL. Guys are paying yeah. Oh, yeah. millions of dollars to evaluate and draft, scout, etc. However, Tim, um, <laughs> those kids aren't a liability. I mean, Drew's a liability. Yes, I agree. I I agree. There's no way they could go if they win out. I don't see Drew Pine completing seventy five, you know, seventy two percent of his passes these next four games. Just, if, if he does, and something just clicked and and awesome, I don't think that's going to happen. There's two, you know, two thousand twenty three. There's no way Drew Pine could be the quarterback next year. They just can't. So, so, yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if there's opportunities there to, to dump the ball off to check. I mean, Tom Brady's going to go into the Hall of Fame. And he was, that's what he did throughout the course of his career is just kind of check the ball down. And it's like, I don't know. Can he not see? Can he literally not see downfield because of, the, you know, the, the wall in front of him? Um, but he does complete it's, some it's passes. Bizarre. He does complete some passes where you're looking at him and you're like, Keep it going. You can do it. And then it just goes boom downward from there. After you see some beautiful passes, it's that it just flips. And that's the way it's been this lot, you know, these last three games with him at quarterback. And it's it's frustrating to watch. And you know it's hurting the you know it's it's hurting the team. And now they're getting ready to play the fifth ranked team in the country. Clemson's gonna respect zero pass games. So 
he's going to have to throw the ball Saturday for them to have a shot. Uh, it is boy. nice to see, though. It is nice to see, though, that like – go ahead, Mike. Uh, no, I'm muting Tim so he can't rebuttal. Go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say, like, and, and you know, Tim, you were you can recall the, the 2002 team that I was on. You know, you bring in Coach Willingham, who gets rid of Carlisle Holiday's, you know, God-given – I mean, Carlisle Holiday to, to this day is top five, top ten athlete I've ever been around just in terms of everything he could do, run, jump, throw, hit a baseball. You know, Coach Willingham takes that away from him. We're going to go West Coast, right? So everything's based off of timing, short passes, whatever. Not That doesn't suit his strengths. We didn't score a touchdown in 2002. We wound up ranked fourth in the country before we lost to Boston College. But uh, we didn't score a touchdown, Tim, for the first seven games. Didn't score a touchdown, and we still won because of defense and special teams. So it's really encouraging to see as our schedule kind of gets turned up here, the level of competition is going to get ratcheted up. It's really, really, really nice to see, and it's been a long time coming, where special teams is, you know, three games in a row blocking punts. That's wild. And we're starting to turn the ball over on defense. So if there is a glimmer of hope going into a Clemson game, it is that maybe we give our offense another couple possessions. Um, so Drew, Drew's good for one pick a game at this point, the last three, one tip pass, one tip pass turnover. Um, so yeah, if we can, if we can create a couple ourselves, at least we'll be on the plus side of that, which is reason for hope. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, fellas, we got six super chats queued up. They keep rolling in. So that's what I'm saying. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta move this thing along. Um, JP says, okay, guys, your grades for Reese and Pine. Mine are Tommy Reese B Pine C minus. Problem with Clemson is can you run on them if and if can if not can Pine win the game? Go you can go game. first, Tim. Tim. Sorry, oh, sorry. You left them muted. Yeah, I left you muted there, Tim. Go ahead, start. Oh, it's, over. it's yeah, it's all good. I have, I have, I have no. You know, people may not like this because it's in, it's very unpopular. I'm assuming, but I have no problems with Tommy Reese. What he's called, he's called some dudes that have gotten a lot of open more times than not. He's controlled the tempo. He's controlled the game, uh, game management. And in, in these wins, he, even the Stanford game, people won't lose their mind. How many people were open nonstop and didn't make plays. That is the offensive coordinator putting his guys in position to make a play. And uh, the coach can't catch coach. Can't block coach. Can't do anything. As Mike Goolsby knows better than anyone. The coach, he has to put players in position to make a play. And if you are put in position to make a play and you don't make a play, that is on the player. So drop balls, wide open post routes that go 10 yards over his head, that's not on Tommy Reese. And and um, and as far as Pine goes, yeah, he's hey, he's won some games. So C minus. What the heck? I'll go with J JP. C minus, a frustrating C minus. How's that? I that's would go. Yeah, Tim, you and I are, are very much simpatico in terms of our feelings on Coach Reese. I think he took a lot of arrows early in the season. And I was like, I, I don't know, man. I don't think he's calling that bad of a game. Yeah. You know, I think it was – I heard it somewhere like prior to this Syracuse game, he had missed five touchdown passes that like would be touchdown passes oh. we just couldn't connect. Yep. And, you know, in college football, I mean, football nowadays, it's it's all about sp splash plays. So if he's teeing it up, and for whatever reason, the, the receiver, the quarterback, you can't connect, that, that's not on Coach Reese. So I'd give Coach Reese 
probably a B plus. I mean, and you go back, we look at the entirety of the season, you're breaking in a brand new quarterback. The interior offensive line is leaky throughout the first half of the season. You've got this ragtag group of wide receivers with inexperience and like, you know, talent that we're not quite certain what that level is. And I, I still feel like we're, we don't really quite know what's in that room. Um, but he comes out with wrinkles. Like the Mitchell Evans thing is a nice little wrinkle. I don't know if that was a ri- an original Tommy Reese idea, if we saw that elsewhere. But uh, I like the usage of Jaden Thomas in this game, Tim. Kind of putting him as that attached tight end thing yeah. with his body type. It's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, my critique of Reese would be his, like, assessment of talent, I think. But in terms of, like, the specifics of play calling, I'll give him, like, a B plus. I really – yeah, a B plus. And as far as like Drew Pine goes, he gets like a participation trophy. You know, you showed up, have your juice box, you know, and some orange orange slices or whatever, and get out of here. You know, jump in the minivan and go home. He gets a participation trophy. We're not even going to give out letter grades. Yeah. It's, uh, What's the next one, Mike? Yeah. Go to the next Jonathan, one. Jonathan Parsons wants, uh, or why not go to the ACC full-time? About to get our 26th win um, versus the ACC. A- any thoughts on this? Just quickly, guys, on on, because uh, we got a couple more Super Justin John. But, uh, yeah, you guys, thoughts on ACC? Stay independent as long as you can. That's the way yeah, I like that. Yeah, sit and it. wait. Sit and yeah. wait. I think the way this is shaping up, you're going to have, like, two or three mega conferences. Yeah. Um, with our national draw, our national audience, our national brand, we're still going to be the bell of the ball um, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I, I'm i with Tim. Sit and wait. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be leverage. playing real quick. No, I was going to say, they're going to be playing an SEC team coming up, uh, starting with A&M, then it's Arkansas, then it's Bama, then it's Florida. They're going to start getting an SEC. SEC's on the schedule every year. I heard – I was reading just a couple of weeks ago in the Detroit uh, News Press that uh, – Notre Dame, Michigan are working on a long-term contract coming up here. So hopefully that's true. Uh, where they're going to be early in the season, like the old days, play game one or two and get after it. So Notre Dame's going to be fine. They don't need the ACC. Yeah, we don't need their officials either, right, Tim? Oh, my Lord. Um, you mentioned Texas A&M, and I have to bring this up, Mike. And Mike, maybe you could add something to this. And Mike, maybe we'll go a little bit long tonight. I know you're busy, but no, I'm like Texas it. A&M, this whole thing, kids smoking dope in the locker room. You know, kids are getting what? kicked off the team. You Seriously? heard this? No. Yeah, that's the A and M thing. Those oh, it's all. Oh, yeah. Like I, that 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 lauded over recruiting class, Mike. Like half of the class is gone because the kids are just running amok. It's <laughs> absurd. And then you saw what happened in that tunnel with the Michigan State Michigan game. I, I presume you've seen these these Michigan players getting jumped. And uh, you know, I tweeted about that at GCA Football. Find me on Twitter, but um. Mel Tucker needs to lose his job with no buyout. And I was just watching that, and I was like, man, for whatever reason, dude, like I'm proud to have played at Notre Dame, and like I'm proud of our culture. I'm proud of our graduation rate. Like when you see all this bullshit going on in all these other programs, it's like it it should make us proud to be a Notre Dame fan because we still compete, we still win games, and like you don't have to worry about stuff like that, you know. So I just want to sprinkle that in because that's that's just beyond man what's going on at some of these other programs all right another one here from john says also what were your thoughts on the linebacker scheme this week didn't feel like i saw as many um, cross stunts in, in the a gaps and with that thought they played a lot better in their gaps so um yeah mr goolsby 
what, what do you guys say about here? And then we'll go to Tim. Um, <laughs> he says he didn't see as many cross dogs. It's like there might not be, they might not have been crossing, but they were still bringing them. I mean, I thought that to myself when I'm going to watch it. Tim, yeah. the, amount, <laughs> the consistency at which we blitz our inside linebackers, I've never seen anything like it. No, I've never it, seen anything like it. Um, but yeah, maybe this week there was like 20% left. I will say Syracuse's first touchdown. And I've been complaining about this since last year with, you know, Drew White and these guys, like, hold your damn water. If you are coming on a blitz, stop telegraphing it. Like, it's the – do you not have a sense for their cadence where you can hit this thing on the run? We're down there in the near red zone. I forget what linebackers were in the game. They gave it away. And then the quarterback check checks one-on-one fade route to their stud wide receiver. And it was like, we did it to ourselves. Coach or their quarterback sees the blitz coming. Hey, hold up, hold up. I got Tom check, check. Uh, One-on-one coverage. We run into the, you know, pass pro. It's brutal. And it's stuff like that, Tim, where it's like, you can see the, you can see the, I guess, you know, the ebbs and flows, you know, the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs, but maybe some steady improvement. We, but we still do some boneheaded stuff and uh, makes you want to pull your hair out. What do you got to say, Tim? Linebacker. Oh, play. man. Yeah. Uh, I just call, I just, my, I was looking at my notebook and about half of the defensive calls, I just got MW next to a meaning Mike will blitz. They're going all over the place. And uh, one that comes to mind, they, Mike will blitz it. Number nine, Adam Miola is playing the, the wide side end. He takes the swing back. There's no contain because they're going up the gut. The three tech stays inside, doesn't get outside on uh, his rush. Quarterback runs down the field, boom, chucks it deep on a big pass. He had he had all day to throw on that one. Um, there's no contain. No, Mike, Mike Will blitzes are consistent, nonstop, especially in Syracuse. Even Freeman talked about it in his postgame press conference where he even had to tell uh, Al Golden, hey, we need to chill on some of these blitzes because they were just going haywire. And uh, one of them, you know, poor Morrison, when he gave up that first touchdown, Freeman talked about they screwed up. They told him to pr- press Bell on the on the goal line. Why would you press Bell? They brought everybody up the middle, and the guy just catches in, ties the game at 7-7. So, no, those dudes blitz. I just looked at one of my notes. Cauley, B-gap, Gadsden over the middle, wide open uh, there in the fourth quarter. So, they blitzed a ton uh, against Syracuse. And the other thing, last last note on the linebacker blitzing and the frequency of which we do so. Yeah, I played that position, and like, if there's no element of surprise to a blitz, if you can't like time it up, it's really tough. So I'm not being critical of like, you know, JD or or Kali or Marist for not getting home because it's like if there's a 320 pound guard waiting on me, dude. I'm not Von Miller. Like it's hard to throw, even throw a pass rush move in that condensed of a space. It's like either it's either going to work or it's not. So, which leads me to believe that either those kids don't have instincts to fill uh, Tim, so we have to send them, or I don't know. I don't know. I I don't have quite have the explanation. It's this year. This year, the Mike Will is last year's Isaiah Vosky playing inside linebacker it's just yes what the hell yeah. <laughs> it's like we yeah. got rid of that and then we we, we jumped to this this year oh right. yeah super chat right. here from dennis um not exact i'm not 100 sure the wording here but can you rate the receiver he's saying can you assess the wide receiver play until you actually have a legitimate quarterback i got you dennis and what do you think 
Um, you can kind of go back to me, Mike, it goes back to that eyeball test. Like I can see Tobias Merriweather get into his route and it's like, man, dude covers a lot of ground and very few steps. Um, yes. Yes. like I saw Dion Colsey, you know, double catch a pretty routine, uh, comeback route, you know, where he's fighting the ball. So like, those are things that I could use to kind of assess. But I said this last episode, Tim, the level of engagement um, and want to in like, you know, level of compete at this, at this wide receiver position. <laughs> if we're only going to throw the ball to Michael Mayer, it's difficult to ask an 18, 19 year old kid to be consistent with his level of play and level compete. And now you sprinkle on the fact that we're going to hammer the ball 40 times a game, that level of compete, compete and the level of engagement one would assume would continue to slough off. So it's it's really difficult to gauge ability when maybe they're not entirely dialed in. No, I, I agree. And that's been some of the thing where you've seen Lindsey frustrated. You know he's frustrated. I mean, that guy that guy should have six touchdowns this year. I mean, he's he's been open so much, balls overthrown all the time. Poor, I mean, seriously, poor guy comes back for his fifth year and he can't get one break, one break, you know, Marshall wide open overthrows it. The stand seems like every game styles, the same thing, perfect screen pass set up the whole lines out there to go knock the heck out of people. And the ball skips to him. Um, luckily Tobias is so young, so he's not really frustrated because Lorenzo obviously played a ton last year. It was nice to see styles come in. Cause I guess Lindsay was sick during the week. So he only played a little, and they just played him special teams because he didn't practice. So they went with the, the the bigger guys out there, so to speak. So it was nice to see him engage. The Tobias one, man, he's right there. It's like, it, come down with that ball, right? Just come down with that one right there on that end zone. But uh, you're right. The engagement. But it was an underthrown ball, yes. but he probably yeah. should have caught it. Oh, it's right there. Exactly. With his height. Re real quick on Tobias, man. When he runs, he looks like he runs a 5-2-40. And like you're saying, Mike, because he's so long. I mean, he does not look like, man, he covers 20 yards in three steps because he's just long and just galloping down there. And he got the down, first he guy, down the, the first, field so fast. The first guy that I ever paid attention to like that, and I'm not at all comparing Tobias to Randy Moss, but like if you watch Randy Moss come off the ball when the ball snapped, I mean, he goes five yards in two steps. And then beyond that, it's, you know, five yards every like step and a half because he's 6'4 and is, is built like he is. So, yeah. And he's got some bounce. I mean, I think Deion Colsey is a real stiff kid. I think he's stiff. He doesn't seem like he's got a lot of bend to him. Um, a lot of Mike Singer, you know, kind of DNA in De Deion Colsey. So, but uh, yeah, I, I, I want, I want so badly for Styles to get back in the flow of things. I just really do, because he was such a, a shining star last year and gave us a lot of reason for optimism and. I'd love to see something, maybe a screen, you know, God, if we could have completed that screen pass, but I still, I still have a lot of, uh, he's got a lot of upside to me in styles. What's funny thing about last year um, was that the receiver position, it was all about styles and Colsey. Why are we playing yeah. so-and-so? Why isn't it styles and Colsey? Cole, now it's Merriweather. And so I, I, I just think it's funny that it's always the freshmen and, and never the, the sophomores, but yeah, I, I do think it's nice that Colsey, 
guy went from playing nothing to 30 snaps and and catching some three first down passes on on three targets so um, yeah like like but can i last last thought mike yeah of course go ahead i'm begging you for your show your show i i said this earlier about coach reese i think he's a, a a I think he's a pretty good play caller, you know, and the execution is one thing. And is, is that his game planning and the practice prep that leads to poor execution? I don't have that answer, but the plays that are dialed up, I like them most of the time. I do have a critique of the recruiting and his ability to like assess what kids are good at. Like, you know, when you look at Colsey, it's like, okay, he's going to be this type of guy. He's a comeback guy. He's a Mike Singer, you know? Is a six yard, eight yard, 10 yard comeback guy. You know, Jalen Thomas, Jaden Thomas isn't a go get it deep guy. Maybe he's a crosser. Maybe he's like a, a, a poor man's Debo Samuel type thing, kind of a physical kid. Yeah. So I just feel like, and I would even say that with the, with the running back group, where like we're taking square pegs and we're trying to put them in round holes, whether it be a lot of different offensive skill positions, either in the backfield or at the wide receiver position. So I think he deserves a little bit of criticism there to be like, you've got kids doing specific roles where that's not where they're best suited. And it's, it's obvious to somebody like me, but maybe it takes him, you know, seven games into the season to figure some of this stuff out. All right. Hey, Goolsby, yeah. real quick singer, Goolsby. How about Tobias and uh, Marie Stovall? Uh, that's now I think, and I love Mosto. Yeah. He's a fun teammate. I think Mosto, I think Tobias is a little bouncier and, and significantly twitchier than Mosto was. Gotcha. But Mosto was a big kid. Big dude. Big dude. Big. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm knocking these two guys off the screen. And it's time to hear um, from another sponsor, which is actually Mike Goolsby's um, favorite sponsor, if I might not add. And if you are looking for that perfect gift for uh, a Notre Dame fan in your life, or dare I say yourself, there's one place to go, and that's Augie's Locker Room, which is located less than a mile from Notre Dame Stadium and was named the best Notre Dame's collectibles in the country. If you are a passionate Irish fan and you're looking for that special Notre Dame piece to complete your rec room, go to AugiesLockerRoom.com. And for people watching on YouTube, you can see just a few of the awesome items that they have, which includes... Uh, Notre Dame Stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographs, one-of-a-kind Rockney items, exclusive Joe Montana signed items, and Augie is partnering with famous sculptor Jerry McKenna to be the exclusive dealer of his Notre Dame bronze statues, which are the statues you've seen around the stadium. Augie has Jerry McKenna's artwork for sale in his store as well. And if Augie doesn't have it, he will find it for you. Visit AugieSLockerRoom.com. Or stop in at 1811 South Bend Avenue and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. com 574-277-NDND. All right. Yes. Always. It's awesome as always. Augie's Locker Room. Um, Super Chats. Still got a few queued up. Um, I will say, Mike, whenever you talk about my uh, my past as a wide receiver many moons ago, you're always spot on. Spot on, sir. Hey. I'm an evaluator, dude. Have you seen you know? my tape? No, but I could just picture it. Yeah, well, you are correct. 
<laughs> well, you got it. I, I could have sworn you've studied it just based on how you're talking about it. Um, Susan says Freeman was very animated on the sidelines. Does this silence the critique that he is unemotional slash lost? Mr. Goolsby? Susan always asks very poignant questions. Um, so I appreciate that. Does the silence the critique that he – so – I played for a stoic coach and Coach Willingham. Tim, you probably remember that. Um, oh, yeah. This was by far the most animated that I'd seen Freeman. You know, I think when offense was rolling through, refs made allowed Syracuse to sub in and sub out. Coach Freeman was yelling so much that he actually lost his gum. And I like it. Um, and that's just kind of like him sort of evolving as a coach. But I absolutely like it. I mean, football is football. Um, I think recruits like it, you know, I think he's still kind of finding his way. I think that, I think that Notre Dame is so PG. I think that Notre Dame is so PG, Tim, that Freeman was like extra. He was G rated, you know, in terms of the way his handling with the media and his approach and press conference and stuff like that. He was almost kind. He was like, almost kind in his approach. And I think as he's sort of sowing his oats and kind of getting his footing here, he can be a little bit more expressive in his own way. And I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. Um, and I think that the team responds. I think that recruits respond. As long as he can find a measure of consistency, Tim, and you understand how important yeah. that is as a coach, you know, he can't run hot and cold. I mean, yeah. he can have, you know, there can be some waves to it but there can't be extreme. So as he, you know, kind of defines his, what his characteristics are going to be as a leader and as a coach, but a little bit of piss and vinegar, I'm here for it, man. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Coach Holtz always used to talk about is don't flinch, don't flinch, don't, you know, don't react to something where those, the kids are going to see you, the players are going to see you and, oh, you know, have that little lull or, oh, we, you know, we, we don't trust our coach or not. We don't trust him, but coach sees something bad. So I'm going to react off of that. So old used to talk about that all the time, but uh, yeah, in that instance where he got hyped up, yeah. He didn't think there was a, a what, what is a, you know, Syracuse's running guys off there, but the ref Freeman broke it down after the game. Freeman's like the ref said you had a couple players run a couple feet on the field. So we gave Syracuse the chance to, adjust from seeing that from across the field. So yeah, Free Freeman got hyped up. He's been, you know, it's it's the face. He's got the facial expressions a lot on TV, but but you know, Mike, you're out there playing. You're not looking at your coach half the time if you're the Mike Backer filling or the nose guard and stuff like that. You know, you know, you're not caring what, what your coach says, but you see it. I can't I can't think of one instance that I ever <laughs> spoke to a head coach during a game ever. You know, no, you're just playing ball. Yeah, you're just yeah. playing ball. And even Freeman, Freeman's Freeman's on the headset a lot. He's changing a few things. You can see him getting more comfortable probably in his role, which that was the biggest thing as, as we move forward on the 2023 is it's going to be a heck of a lot different next year than it is this year. It's just it's it's going to happen. It's called experience. So. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, we talk about him, again, growing into the role. And I mean, I could say that like as a salesperson, I mean, there's things that I've said and did in sales meetings and pitches and first impressions that I did as a, you know, 30 year old that like, I, I it makes my skin crawl to think about doing it now, 10 years later. Yeah. As I've gotten better and better and better. Right. We've all done that with whatever 
you know, pursuit we yes. take it on in life. But I don't think that, you know, I think the whirlwind that has been Marcus Freeman's life, like between when he got chose by the team and got hired on as the as a head coach at Notre Dame football, just the whirlwind yeah. that he was in, the recruiting, you know, he's got young kids at home and all that stuff. So it's like, man, when has that poor guy ever had a chance to come up for air and like actually be a coach versus being a figurehead in, in terms of the media. So it's fun. It's kind of fun to see him really take more ownership and actually be a ball coach more so than a recruiter, a media darling, what have you. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see how that continues to evolve. That, that goes back to, um, yeah, there's your picture, but that goes back to, uh, mute you, Tim, go ahead, buddy. No, no, I was going to say, uh, Jim Tressel. Those are his, you know, he taught, they have weekly conversations with his old ball coach, coach Jim Tressel. So I think coach is, you know, mentoring him, chatting with him, feeding him information, things, how to run a program. And it's that quote I talked about with singer a week ago where Tressel, you know, a news outlet asked him, what was the first piece of advice you gave Freeman? He said, it's your team, your name's on it. You know, who cares who the assistants are, your name's on it, run the program your way. So Freeman needs to learn how to do that and slowly going to, be doing it and the perfect guy. The whole reason why, you know, let's also don't forget is he was hired. The biggest example, you know, Jack Swarbuck used was Dabo Sweeney. So he really loved that, that Dabo Sweeney influence, that type of coach that Sweeney was as an assistant, gave him the job at Clemson. And uh, Jack talked about that when he hired Freeman. So he's going to get firsthand look at uh, Mr. Dabo on Saturday. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. I did want to show um, you guys were talking about that picture um for youtube audience i mean audrey gastame is is that's just a, a different animal but look at jatarian price's arms i mean the dude is, is i mean look at him next to logan diggs uh, i mean well i think that's to be fair i think that's logan diggs coming off of that you know shoulder, shoulder. surgery and all that okay yeah whereas price can only use the yeah, you know, he's just, tim i've he's just yeah, dips he's just that's true. tim i've heard you say it before uh like love like that's an sec yeah. running back oh yeah you know like, so somebody like Prince Kali, that's an all SEC linebacker. Yes. And I was watching the game with my folks and there was a play where Kali was walking off the field and I paused my dad, look at that kid. Yeah. Look at that waist. I mean, that is, that's so, and Sneed. to, Jalen to Sneed. our point, yeah, Jalen Sneed. I mean, but there that's was a picture. why Coach Freeman's here. That's why Coach Freeman's here. There was a picture of him on the TV, uh, just smiling. He was happy. It was a big play and you saw him in the background and he looked like Jadarian Price. So he's been putting in the work as well. And But same thing. Those are SEC dudes. And uh, those guys need to get on the field pretty soon. And once they do, just a different level of speed out there, you know? Yep. You know, Tuli Alamaka played a ton of Viper. I think he got six, seven snaps playing Viper this past week. So is that going to be a sea change moving forward for him? I found that interesting, watching him run around out there. Mike, you got more Super Chats. Oh, of course we do. Um, another one from Johnson here. He says, um, at Notre Dame quarterbacks, top attribute can't be an intangible. That's quoting Mr. Mike Goolsby, um, most statement in a decade. Mr. Goolsby. I said, put it on a t-shirt. All right. There we go. I love it. Appreciate it. Super chat. Um, Milton fan is, uh, okay. he, he's been disagreeing with, uh, the assessment on Drew Pine. 
and uh, saying the issue is Tommy Reese and the garbage recruiting and development. Um, thoughts here? We'll, we'll go to Tim first. Yeah, I mean, where are the RPOs? They, you know, they they threw a handful last week. You got to remember, each and every single game is a different game onto itself. So they probably didn't need them against Syracuse. Syracuse got better DBs than some of those other guys and whatnot. And they run the three-three stack. Three safeties were deep a bunch, dropping and fitting in there where. They're like, we're just going to smash the ball against the three, three. And, and that's what they did. As far as, you know, the, some of the calls from Cal UNC, UNC's DBs play 10 yards off. So you could do whatever the heck you wanted. They didn't have any clue to motions. That's why Logan Diggs was catching wheel routes uncovered. So completely different game. Once again, every week's a new week. And as far as garbage recruiting development, you know what, I'm going to say probably another unpopular opinion, but you know, what 25-year-old assistant football coach out there is going to have carte blanche do anything he wanted? So if people really thought Tommy Reese had could do whatever the heck he wanted when he's 25 years old under Brian Kelly, then go for it. It fits your narrative. I don't think it was. Is it development, recruiting? Once again, I as I said 40 minutes ago here, I'm looking at Reese moving forward. If he's going to be here next year, if he goes pro, whatever it is. If Reese is here next year, I'm looking at him moving forward because I'm going to judge him on recruiting on what he does with Freeman, not Brian Kelly, because what elite five-star national ranked quarterback wants to come play for Brian Kelly? Be and It's like, be honest, people. Be honest. Was Justin Fields, Lawrence, you name them. I mean, do those guys want to come play at Notre Dame for Brian Kelly? That's the way I look at it. They got the quarterbacks they did. Buckner was national top 100. Phil Jerkovic was a national top 100 quarterback. They got him. They got a couple in and around them. They did not. I think, um, Tim, you bring up some good points, and I think it's a fair question, and that's what makes this fun, um, is the opinion. I think, uh, like, RPO. Okay, so you saw more RPO with Tyler because Tyler can physically do it. He, he, he presents a threat. That being said, we did RPO with Cone last year, which was strange because there's no real threat for Cone to yep. pull it down and take off. Um I don't know what you really do with Drew. I mean, there was a lot of uh, – Tyler was great at the quick game. You know, he can get that ball out. I don't think Drew can do that. I don't think that Drew can sit out there. I was watching the Rams game earlier. I mean, Matt Stafford made a throw getting hit in the face. Like, Drew don't have talent like that, arm talent. We go back to Tyler's very first play of this season. He gets hit in the mouth and completes a pass to Lorenzo Styles. Drew can't do that. So – Coach Reese is limited in terms of what he can do offensively at that quarterback position. I don't think he can run those quick bubble screens like the way you'd want with with uh, Drew at quarterback. You know, Reese as a recruiter, I think that influence matters is kind of what you're saying, Tim. That's the way I heard you. That's what I heard you say is that Kelly's influence on Reese as a recruiter. Now maybe take a look and see what Reese is standard and what his influence does for uh coach reese as a recruiter that'll be yeah. interesting to see i've dealt with coach reese as a recruiter with that tight end that i worked with mm -hmm. um and there was a little bit of arrogance there so you're saying what well, kind of a 25 year old kid 27 year old kid it's like well there's a little bit of arrogance in terms of his willingness to go get this kid um yeah it was almost like you were it was almost like you're talking to a curmudgeonly old coach versus talking to a, a young man. So that was an interesting take. 
Does that um, real I, quick Rulesby, real quick, Mike? Is does that does that stem from his influence of Brian Kelly? I would agree. Yeah, you know his dad. His dad's been in the NFL and you know big time football for you know forty years, whatever it is. So you have two big time influences on him, and as you know, influences tend to rub off on you, kind of like Freeman is with uh, Coach Jim Tressel a little bit. You know, when you look at it from there. But can a tiger change its stripes, Tim? So if he's maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe he ends up down there at LSU. Who knows? Speaking of tigers, but uh, yeah, because that, yeah. if that's his core DNA, if that's Reese's core DNA, is that sort of you know, for lack of a better word, arrogance that you know he maybe inherited from his father and his background and Coach Kelly with the way that his, he approached recruits. I don't know if there's going to be room for that on Freeman's staff in terms but of the energy, quick, the energy that he's bringing to the the recruiting trail. Go ahead, Tim. No, I was going to say, you know, you know, my, you know, Singer could talk about this, but you know, and this is why I'm using the Reese with Freeman analogy. I don't care what he did, you know, a couple of years ago, or whatnot. Um, the first thing, you know, as soon as Freeman gets aboard, what does he do? He goes out and sees Tobias Merriweather, correct? He goes out and gets him. He goes out and gets Billy Shroff. He went out and got kind of laid, you know, the foundation of trying to get those guys, close that guy. It was Tommy Reese who got Billy away from uh, Wisconsin, the big offensive guard. You you know, when Mike writes an article with the skill guys, at least, Reese is always involved. You always kind of see his name communicating with people of that nature. And even Tommy has talked about, the influence Marcus Freeman has when Marcus got hired is like, well, all of a sudden us in the offensive room, this guy over here on the, you know, as the new DCs cranking out phone calls and working his tail off, we got to up our game. Tommy talked about that a year ago. So I think we see that with this 2023 class, how this coaching staff and these guys are working under Marcus Freeman way differently than Brian Kelly. Well, save, yeah. Save for a quarterback though. Which is the Biggest question in the world. So, oh, and that's Tim. We're talking about what we're talking about. True. We're talking but about I, I okay. But once again, I'm I'm a coach. I've been a college football fan my whole life and whatnot. I am a firm, firm, firm believer the college head football coach matters. It matters. Hot take. I mean, I mean, it, it matters. Look at all these. Look at all these great head coaches with great quarterbacks. It's it matters. The college football coach is the biggest influence. I feel with, with, when you're going to some of these elite dudes, I that's the way I look at it. When, when Notre Dame's gotten major, major dudes over the years, head coach has been involved, head coach, they want to play for that head coach, winning, whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You could talk about Billy Shroud as an elite interior offensive lineman, and you sure. talk about going after a five-star kid that's been groomed since he's nine years old to be a first-round pick in the NFL. The approach to recruiting those two individuals is in their in their teams around them, their people, their family, whomever, is completely different. But we can move on. Sure, I agree. There's a but little but the little, 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 little argument. Mike, 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 what do you what, what's up? There's a little no, argument no, no, going on in our YouTube show, and it's not me. This is refreshing. Go ahead, boy. No, 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 it's nice because Goolsby, Mike. I mean, Mike brings up an amazing point where as good as the 2023 class is, they don't have anyone that could rush the quarterback and they don't have anyone to throw the throw the ball so the quarterback recruiting in 2023 is the biggest most shocking thing under marcus freeman's tenure tommy reese is the oc it is it's puzzling i mean we can sit here and talk for an hour with mike singer on 
quarterback recruiting. It's like, what what the heck happened? Well, you would think you would think if you had a board, which they did, and this is and I and I, they've got a board. So if Dante Moore was our one AA plus, yes, right, and there was the other kid, there was another kid. The Clemson um, kid, the Oklahoma kid, those were the big three. So why don't we have an A, B, and a C? You know, so it's like A is your five-star Dante Moore, B is maybe a Midwestern kid with nice size, nice measurables, or what have you. And then C is like a, a Josh Allen. Man, this kid's got a hose for an arm, but he plays rural, real, rural ball in, in Georgia, and he's going to take time to develop. But, man, we love those physical traits. You know, like I look at, I mean, Nebraska, I look at, um, you know, I live here in Omaha, Nebraska. I look at the Huskers roster. They've got four or five quarterbacks on their roster. And a couple of those dudes are like, one kid's a ridiculous athlete, developmental guy. One kid's got a huge arm. And, you know, there's there's degrees of it where it's like we went all in on one kid. And I don't think that's good business. But. Oh, I, my, no, I agree. Right, go ahead. I mean. I mean, Mike, I mean, you know, Singer's talked about this before. You know, we, I mean, we've, we talked ad nauseum about this in February, March, April, it feels like on the whole Dante Moore thing. But I mean, I mean, Singer probably doesn't want to say too much, but who knows? But, you know, as he's written about it, is uh, what in the world? I mean, did, 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 I mean, did they just, from what I've read from other, you know, out there podcasts, uh, you know, and things of that nature where, it really just seems like they went all in and that's what happened. It seemed like, you know, as Mike Singer hates more than anyone on, on the face of the earth, the silent commitment. But do you, do you take that? Do you trust that? Going back to your point, Goolsby is when Dante, if Dante, you know, when Dante Moore, this is my take, when he left Notre Dame that day without committing and tell told Freeman and that whole staff, Reese and all the guys, I'm going to go take some more visits. Those guys should have just been beaten down the door 35 seconds after Moore left with his father that day. And they didn't, they didn't. And they let it float around too long. And well, they got played and they got, they got played. They got played. And so there's no contingency plan whatsoever. And again, we're not saying, and let's, let's not turn this into the Dante Moore thing. God bless, God bless the kid. But like, if he's your one a, and there's three kids that we put, you know, categorically are those one a type, five-star can't miss future NFL guys. Okay, Dante, out of respect for you and your situation and whatever, we're not going to recruit any of those kids, but we have to at least get that, you know, that Midwestern kid that's a plan B type kid who's maybe not a five-star, um, but he's taller than five nine, you know, can throw the ball 45 yards. Plus we're going to go after these kids, Dante, and we're just going to keep an open line of communication. Oh, and there's others, this other kid from, you know, Colorado that's, Six foot six, he's got an absolute hose for an arm, and we're gonna we're gonna look at him. We, we you obviously know Dante, you're the guy that we want, but also yeah. we got to run a business here. You got played, Mike. What and, else we got going on? I we can't hold keep on, talking about anymore. No, sorry, Tim, you're muted, my friend. We got to move along. <laughs> Love you, Tim, but we got to go. Uh, Rick Palmer says, could you see a defensive coordinator using the scan offense we use against us? So basically, Notre Dame has the check with me and then the defense moves to basically offset whatever Notre Dame was, is changing to, but what, what do you think? What do you think, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely do. And I think, so we check, they check, or they come out in a dummy look, make us check. And then they, they go back into what they were playing. So there's absolutely a level of games. Yeah. There's an absolutely, absolutely gamesmanship to that. Um, 
you know, luckily, who did Clemson play? Did Clemson have a bye this week, Mike? Yeah, had a bye. That worries the hell out of me. Because you've got a whole week to break down X number of, you know, check with me's or scans. Um, It's like you're stealing signals in baseball. That worries me. But, yeah, that's absolutely a possibility. They check, we check, they check, or they come out in some dummy look that makes us check for this, and then we go back to whatever we're going to play on defense, we being the other team. Tim? Yeah, I I completely agree. It's it's a chess game. It's a chess game. But – if you if you start adjusting too late, as we saw North Carolina trying to do, dudes are going to be open, uncovered, and that's you know it, you know every, you know for me at least when I watch you, I haven't seen a ton of adjusting and whatnot from defenses. At least watching the TV copy, obviously trying to see guys adjust and, and change things. You can't because it does go fast. That's one thing Pine has done is when they do the scan and you know the and they get an audible man, he's snapping that ball you know, less than 10 seconds after he makes an adjustment, boom, the ball's being snapped really, really quick. Okay. Yeah. But it's, it's not, it's not Peyton Manning versus uh, Ray no. Lewis and Ed Reed. It's not the no. back and forth. No. This is couch. Yeah. This is Syracuse Notre Dame, right? Anyway. Yeah. UNLV. Right. Yeah. Last week. Exactly. All right. Another super chat here. SJ says thoughts on the starting quarterback next year. Good transfer QBs won't come to Notre Dame unless they are guaranteed to start. I think your statement there is debatable, but we will go to, to um, Goolsby um, on the thoughts on starting quarterback next year. Yeah, it's a little bit of hyperbole there. There's no guarantees in anything. And no. if that's what it took to get X kid to the school, we don't want him in the first place. Um, I like Buckner, man. I do. I really do. do you- I think that we got – you got to see – what a game and a half of a sample size with a leaky offensive line and a shit bag group of wide receivers that were unproven. And he starts at the horseshoe on the road, primetime night game. I'm telling you, I just think uh, I'm just a big Tyler Buckner fan. And he's the most, ex- most exciting quarterback that in, in a long time for me personally. So yeah, Tyler's our starter next year. Do you, Unquestionably. Do you... He was our starter this year. Do you bring in a transfer? Would you want to bring in a transfer to bolster the room like a grad one-year rental? I would think for, for depth purposes, you almost have to. Um, and then, like, never, like, let me put this thought together. So, like, a Josh McCown, who's been in the NFL for 18, 20 years at whatever, Chase Daniels, like, you have him in that room not to be a starter. So it's like, why couldn't you get some senior guy like a Jack Cohn that understands the game or whatever. And it's like, dude, you're going to come in here. You're going to get a grad degree from Notre Dame and you're here to sort of mentor and mold and be another coach in that room for Tyler Buckner. Not every single, I mean, not every single transfer quarterback is going to, going to need to start and try and make it to the NFL. Does that make sense? Just don't know who wants to do that. I don't know. I'm sure there to, I would, I would assume there's, there's guys out there to be like, yeah, I'd love to get a graduate degree, tap into that Notre Dame network. And maybe a guy that wants to get into coaching. I don't know, but just we need to stop thinking about every single transfer needs to come in and be a bona fide starter. Maybe they could be there as a, a depth slash support role. Yeah, I don't I don't know why so many other schools can get quarterbacks that come in and then they don't start like 
it doesn't need to be a guaranteed starting situation. It happens at other schools. Why, why not Notre Dame? Yeah, Tim? No, I agree. I mean, they definitely need a quarterback. They're, they definitely have to go get a transfer. If that's a, a, a Jack Cone with Rose Bowl game experience, he's coming in to be, you know, and he earns the starting spot. Great. If, if they get a Jack Cone part two comes in and Buckner beats him out. Great. They definitely need one because, you know, the elephant in the room is Tyler Buckner staying healthy. If Buckner could stay healthy, he could run, he could throw, he could do some things. There's no, I truly believe that. I've, you know, when I went back and watched the games, he threw some beautiful throws. He could run like crazy. If you drop eight, as we talked earlier, drop eight against him, he's going to just scramble. You can't do, there's certain things you can't do against, you know, Buckner that you do all day against Pine. So you have to respect the run game. You have to. So um, two more thoughts. I love Tyler being up there in the coach's booth. What an interesting, yeah, like added phase to his development that other quarterbacks will never get to. You know, and I mean, I'll say enjoy. He's hurt, but it's it's. I, I wonder what that's doing for his overall maturation process. Being in a room with Tommy during a game, and then the second note that I wanted to say: if we do in fact get a transfer quarterback, please let it be somebody that has like a tangible deliverable trait. Cause even thinking about cone, it was like, Oh, he's unshakable and he's such a leader and whatever. And it was like, there was no great athlete, no arm strength. It was all about his intangible. So whoever it's, maybe it's somebody in Notre Dame's media department that's putting out this crap, but like, give me somebody that's got an arm, you know, and like that's why he's going to maybe be a starting quarterback for Notre Dame, not he's a quiet leader, this or that, right? Let's just find somebody that's got some physical tools, because Tyler does. Kind of like the the Syracuse backup who was a Florida yeah. signee. I mean that guy, that guy. I mean that's an SEC quarterback, obviously. He was electric. Yeah, he was an yes. electric little player out there. Yes, yes. Okay, all right. Another uh, super chat here from Dan. Um, wrong screen. There we go. Um, he says watching pine throw is like, Oh geez. Okay. Um, can and jelly. So, so Dan super chat here is, is the, just the general thought of why not throw and jelly in there. And I think this kind of goes back to part of the receiver discussion. It's, it's all, it's always the shiny toy you don't know about, right? It's the grass green on the other side. I feel like a lot of people calling for Angeli don't really know anything about him. You know, he's, he, I think he was a, a three of the four websites had him ranked as a three star. Like, I mean, Pine was a much more decorated recruit coming out of high school than, than Angeli, which, you know, is just a part of this discussion. But I don't know. Are, are, is anyone here calling for Angeli to take over the job right now? We'll go to Mike first. Yeah. Tim, you can go. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. My, my take's pretty easy. If Steve Angeli was as, as, as good as some people think he was, I think he would have played the, the rest of the game against UNLV. What a perfect perfect opportunity. Pine gets knocked out. Angeli comes in. You know, Evans, you know, scores. And then uh, Steve comes in the next two plays and hands off. If Angeli's a legitimate Notre Dame quarterback, what a perfect time to get a freshman in there. I mean, seriously, it had he been a guy they got, you know, I'm not comparing him to Klebnik against Clemson, but they got him in. They let him throw the ball a little bit, only four times against Syracuse. But if Angeli is a legitimate quarterback, they would have just said, Pine, go take it easy. It's Angeli time. And it wasn't. And for me, 
as a coach, as a dude who's watched a lot of football, I think that that told me more about Angeli than than not. I, I didn't thing. get. <laughs> I'm just being really honest because if I think Angeli it's a terrible thing. Up in practice, Pine gets knocked out, Angeli finished the game. You're the dude. Let's make a change. He's our hot freshman. That did not happen whatsoever. Mike, why do you hate the take? Why do you hate Tim's take? So, so you think that he should have got? You you think that no. we're learning a lot about this situation based on him not getting a lot of garbage time? Stephen 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 Jelly's been getting first team reps since with the Cal game. He's been with the varsity before the Marshall game. Obviously, Ohio State, Ohio State Marshall. He was. He was down on the scout team. They even said he never got any first team reps. Cal week comes. He is the bona fide backup. So okay. he's been repping now for what? Five, six games, whatever it's been. Lose track here after Marshall. So he's been getting first team reps each and every single week in practice. He's getting first team reps. So Tim, Tim, so you're saying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you out. So you're saying that if Angeli was the guy, he yes. should be prepared enough by now. No, no. If he was the guy and the coaches know he's the guy, he would have played that UNLV game when Pine gets cold cocked and knocked out. Okay. I, I missed the part where you said where he got knocked out. But, but yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Where he got knocked out. If he's he, the guy in practice and he's tearing it up in practice and Reese and Freeman are like, man, and Jelly's going to be a dude. It's UNLV for crying out loud. Pine gets knocked out. Pine, they, Pine comes back in the game because my humble opinion, they know what they have with Steve Angeli and they weren't going to finish that game with him. Or Pine That's was just take. fine. To, or Pine was fine to play. Which which then Pine's that much better than Steve Angeli? Then that's even a worse thing. That no, no he just didn't Steve get Angeli. hurt. And he goes and plays. If you don't get hurt, you continue playing. I don't know. Uh, it's it's just to make that move creates so much. Tim, you're the coach. Goolsby, the former player. You, you guys tell me if I'm wrong. You make that kind of quarterback change. That's are you splitting a locker room? I, I don't know. I, don't I know. have. Goolsby. I made that. I made that decision like that sometimes, and it boom took us to a league championship. So I've made that decision where you're like, okay, the older guy gets hurt. Let's go with the young guy. We know he's better. We know the young guy's better. The young guy's going to do more for us. Nick Saban games. did it. Nick Saban did it in a goddamn national championship game. Exactly with Tua. Exactly. You know. That, so let me let me let me chime thing. in. Let it's me chime risk. in. It's a it's a big risk. It, it's a big payoff. Or not? He's the better fo- if Angeli's the better football player. What's the risk that he starts the rest of the year as a true freshman? Like well, listen, Matt listen, did listen. In Linda, listen, Linda, listen. So here's the thing. <laughs> we talked about influence earlier. We talked about. Hey, I don't know who who makes that call. Is that Freeman's call? Is that Reese's call? Is it a mutual decision? I don't know. But I believe that Coach Kelly's influence on Reese is like that of safety. It's of low floor versus high ceiling, right? So he's going to, okay, risk, reward. Angeli might throw a pick. He, you know, maybe understands 30, 40% of the offense. So like risk, reward, let's just, let's just roll with Drew if he's not really hurt. Right. Then you're saying, okay, I'm critiquing Tommy's ability to assess quarterbacks and assess the skill positions. So it's like, what is Coach Reese's? Somebody asked questions of these guys at the stupid press conferences, but like, what are your tiers of things? How do you stack rank what's most important at your quarterback position? Because based off of what we hear through the media, it's competence, it's stoicism, 
it's uh moxie. you know a level-headedness it's moxie it's nothing so it's like it's nothing tangible so if coach reese is assessing a quarterback's ability to play based off of practice he executes the things he does all the checks if that's what he ranks as most important then he's going to roll with pine if he if he if he puts physical ability arm talent etc at lower down the, the rank and jelly's not going to move up does that make sense so it's like what are you assess what what criteria are you using to assess your quarterback's readiness and ability to play hopefully that makes sense thirdly Angeli wasn't ready to go in the game. He didn't wasn't even taking snaps, Tim. Like it wasn't no, like they had a contingency plan built in. He was like, "Oh, what what's going on? Should I be doing something?" Like, you know, he's a backwards hat guy, by the way, Mike Angeli. He wasn't ready to go in the game. Um, but, but he was the next series. He was the next series, and they handed off twice, and they took him out. So the last thought that I had, and I've been saying that Angeli's not ready, just because it's big time college football. Although I think they did kind of run a pro system out there, Bergen Catholic. I'm going to assume they're well coached out there. But it did cross my mind for the first time watching this game. Like, bro, if this is all we're going to do, put Angeli in. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to run the ball 45 times a game, put Angeli in. Because I want to believe, and I haven't seen him throw the ball, but I want to believe that he can push it to Tobias or to um, you, you name it. You know, Lindsey, I, I want to believe that he has a bigger arm than what Drew Pine does. So that's what I would look at it like upside versus safety. I think all those things have to be taken into consideration. But I think maybe Coach Reese is, puts more stock in intangible things than physical gifts. Crickets. All right. Well, all right, moving on. If, if no one has anything to say, <laughs> this is a shock. We got we're we're, no. we're caught up on super chats. Uh, I I will say on Angeli, the the young man can do no can do no wrong. I I, I love him. But also, we were texting the three of us earlier. Um, I'm nervous. I mean, Pine's taking that. some Pine's taking some shots. shots Tim. Oh shots. my gosh! Yeah. Yes. One of us said, I'm surprised he didn't get a concussion. I think I that said. Was me. Maybe he did. Maybe he does. I mean, it was, oof. So he was a matter of inches between. Go ahead, Tim. Go no, ahead, I was going to say, then that goes back to my point. When you got a young freshman and he's good and you're liking what, what you see, if you like what you see in practice and you have a, a smidge of an opportunity to get that dude on the field, you're going to get him on the field. They, have, they haven't done that. And Pine is. But Tim, let me stop you. Talk. Tim, let me stop you. So when you said, if you like what you see on the film at practice as a coach, yeah, what's, what's more important, physical ability, you know, ability to whip the ball, he can actually throw it or checks and oh. reads. What's more important? If for Reese, the, you know, what's more important is get the damn football to the guy who, what quarterback could get the ball to the guy with consistency. That's not over the head. That's not all over the place. That's not a bounce pass on a freaking screen. That's going to run for a touchdown. That's the thing. So is Angeli not getting the ball to these guys at practice that that's just, cro that's what's crossed my mind the last two weeks. I mean, Pine got crushed on that drop eight where he scrambles, he's holding the ball for 12 seconds. Joel can't pass pro forever. The guy runs around and just knocks the heck out of Pine from behind. 
And uh, it's like, dude. He is always rolling out to his left, too. He always but, goes to his left. It's like, you know, which, by the way, I really hope that sack does not count against Joe Hall because that is not his fault whatsoever. I don't know how those stupid sack things work. So you just answered the question, Tim. You think that physical, you would probably put physical ability, like the actual, he has a mechanism to actually physically get the ball there. That trumps checks and experience, et cetera. That he's. He's a freshman. He's he's a fre- Mike. You played with Matt Lovicki. Tim, you Why should run you for politics. You just never answer a question. Answer the question. Run for an office or answer the question. Do you put physical <laughs> ability or experience playbook? What what's more important to you if you're making what's that pi- call? Three week. Hold on. Three weeks in a row. Pines under fifty percent. He's under fifty percent three weeks in a row. This is who he is now moving forward. You know from what it sounds like. So. Why not get Angeli in if he's doing the things necessary in practice? That's, I think, the most frustrating thing. What are those thing. things? What are those things? That's what I'm trying to drill down to. Completing the darn ball. Okay. The ball. <laughs> <laughs> Hitting a wide open post. Yeah. You know, those things. You know, getting the ball out to receivers. Hitting Tobias on a post. Like you're saying, don't underthrow it to the poor guy. It's um, pitch and catch. A lot of this stuff is just yes. pitch and catch. So much. So, much so you know, is. the last thing, just to be fair to Steve Angeli, let's not pretend that we've got, you know, the next Trevor Lawrence on the bench. No. Is that fair to say, gentlemen? So yes. it's like maybe Steve's arm isn't markedly better than Drew Pine's arm. So we're going to take the conservative approach and go with somebody that knows the playbook, knows the checks or whatever. But furthermore, though, Boy, are we making an argument to put Angeli in the game? Because if we're going to do this scan bullshit, then why not put Angeli in? You don't have to do anything. Coach is going to no. tell him what to run. No. And all he's got to go out there and do it. But we might not have a choice. I mean, if Drew keeps taking these hits and he's built like a child, so when a 280-pound kid hits him, it looks like he's getting hit by a train. You know? He's 190 pounds at this point in the season. I love it. I love it. Beat Clemson. Beat Clemson, right? Man, Drew Pine's good for the podcast, though. There's no two ways about it. That's that's why I want to see Angeli come in and go two, you know, twelve for twenty eight, so we could change the subject, right? Oh gosh, good times. <laughs> so, Goolsby, before we head off, you're picking Clemson or uh, ND to be Clemson, right? And you're going to be there. I'll be at the game. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'll be at the game, and if anybody like, because I'll be there. I'm taking a, a customer to the game, but if anybody's sees me like say what say what up if you see me at a tailgate or whatever uh say hello but yeah i think that uh you know it it, for us to beat clemson it would just it's such it's so notre dame 2022 it's just it just fits i think the night game that was the only other note that i had that i wanted to talk about i think the night game environment uh we had a fun win a physical win I could just see it happening, and I think that Clemson's a little bit overrated. They're not the Clemson of old in terms of, like, they don't have a dominant quarterback. He's a little hot and cold. They've got a little bit of turmoil in their quarterback room. Um, but, yeah, I think, we can, I think we can win. I think we will win. And then the only other thing that we didn't touch on here, and it's a little bit of a hot-button issue, and I've said it, Mike, as long as you've known me, I've sort of griped about the Notre Dame – day game experience at Notre Dame Stadium, and there's a lot left to be desired. And that hurts fans' feelings. 
but as somebody that's played in you know a lot of big time stadiums it's real and you can it's gotten to a point for folks where you can see where the way the notre dame team plays at noon or whatever on a saturday in south bend and the way that we play in a dome in you know northern new york up there in syracuse it's palpable it's real so i think the fans should do something like if you're going to the game do a little soul searching and be like you have to understand that taking in the campus going to the grotto doing all of it man it's incredible it's beautiful um i I think it's something that every college football fan should do but the crescendo of the day is the freaking game yeah you know what i'm saying so get up for the game for the sake of the kids playing because they need it and you could see it it's like it's it's uh it's almost sad in a way that we play so much better on the road. And I think that the kids are culpable, obviously the coaches are culpable to a degree, but I think that fans should take some ownership of that, those outcomes and the way the team plays as well, or take pride in it. However, they want to look at it. My computer just froze and I'm back. Okay. So are we still live? We didn't miss you. Catch, catch passes, catch the deep balls against Marshall and Stanford. And there's not a home field issue. I mean, fair enough. Well, you don't. Yeah. Well, I I would disagree in terms of like the. I'm not saying it's wild and crazy, but I'm just saying the level of energy in terms of the way these kids play on the road versus the way they do at home. It's it's noticeable. That's why I picked Notre Dame to beat Syracuse. You know who didn't? I didn't. I know that. All my all my coworkers. You know, it was a motivational tool. It was a motivational tool. I don't name one because of that nine for 19. I mean, that's really what it was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest. I was, you know, watching the game. I did not think they were going to just smash the living heck out of Syracuse like that. That was wild. But uh, you know what? It always helps when your starting quarterback uh, is injured. So Syracuse definitely had an injured cue. Yeah, and it helps when the the opposing nose tackle is, you know, 260. Yes, right. yes, yes. Which, by the way, re- hey, hey, you mentioned their nose tackle was the Drew. He, well, there was their, their nose tackle was like the Drew Pine of nose tackles, you know. Oh man, hey, big win on the road. Which, by the way, Goolsby, you did talk about Notre Dame coming off a big win night game, wasn't that BYU Stanford? So we'll see if Syracuse Clemson hopefully is a little different. I'm, I'm telling feeling you, good about it. <sighs> The Clemson, Clemson. This is going to be, this is going to be a, man, this is going to be a monster game. I know everyone keeps saying Clemson's down. I'm a huge Dabo fan. They're 8-0, probably the best D-line in the country, and a tailback who had, he was a dude. It's going to be a heck of a football game. All right. Wrapping it up, Mike. We're done. We are done. How about it. that? Just a cool hour and a half. 90 minutes. Yeah. That was yeah. a good chat. Yeah. Appreciate everybody. <laughs> for joining Goolsby, any final thoughts smash that like button smash the like button tim appreciate you joining your uh your first mike Goolsby show you got um, it yeah folks smash the like button blue and gold.com of course subscribe to our youtube channel pulling for browns plus three and a half tonight that's what singer needs or not needs because i don't gamble but appreciate you guys hope you enjoyed the show and we'll catch you next time